Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Elizabeth Edmondson, the author of the marvelous new Very English Mystery series, the first of which, A Man of Some Repute, was published on July 1st. Elizabeth, welcome. Hello. I'm calling you from Naples, Florida. You are in Oxford in the UK, right? That's right. So this is kind of exciting. It's the first time I've ever spoken with someone in Oxford. And uh, you mentioned prior to the start that you've got a little bit of a cold. So uh, if anybody wonders about your voice, that's that's what we have there. So let's get right into it and uh, maybe give us the story behind your, your new book, A Man of Some Repute. Well, it's about, uh, it's set in the 1950s. Um, in an English cathedral town, very traditional. There's, you know, it's an old town and a historic place. And it's out, just outside it, there's a very big and ancient castle, which belongs to the Earls of Selchester, who've been there for hundreds of years. I mean, you know, different Earls, not one Earl there. Mm-hmm. And the murder that's the mystery, the heart of the mystery, is actually Lord Selchester who seven years after he vanishes, um, his skeleton is found under the flagstones in the chapel of the castle. And the setting is very old English. It's, um, I don't know, enchanting comes to mind for me. Uh, the, The pacing is relaxing. It's one of those books that you just sort of sink into and wish that you were in front of a fire while you're reading, or at least that's the experience that I had when reading it. Yeah, I think it's very much a sort of curl up in front of a fire or with a box of chocks to to just lose yourself in another world for a time. Tell tell me about the castle, if you would, the the way you envision the castle, because it's it's referred to in in different ways. There's like the new castle and the old castle. Uh, it's occasionally referred to as a pile. Um, I don't really understand as a reader what all that means. So, what does it mean? What tell us about the castle? Well, the thing about a castle, if people still live in it, is that it's changed over the years because what started off as a as a military fortress. Um, and something, you know, for power. And it then gradually over time takes on a different role. And so it'll have things like there's an old tower in this one, which would have been a very defensive thing and part of the early castle. But then as time goes on and it doesn't need to be used so much for warfare and defence, the families who live there want to get a bit more comfortable. So they add wings and move out of bits of it and into other bits of it and so on. So it's it's kind of like most of the old castles are like a living history. And this particular castle was uh, used by the military forces during the war. Uh, the family was, I don't know whether they were moved out or just shuttled in, into a, a very small space within the castle. And things changed for the family. Um, there's a big difference in the family's uh, well-being, I guess, before the war and after the war. And this is a... a an area of, that's of particular interest to you. So can you explain to listeners maybe what it was like for a family that was living in the castle pre-war and then after, and, and why there were so many changes? Well, I mean, obviously the war changed everything. It changed things socially, through everything up in the air. So the very um, hierarchic way that English class, class system worked 
um, was much was relaxed. I mean, a big place like that would have been requisitioned by the government to mm -hmm. use um, for whatever purpose. And the family might have stayed there or might not. In this case, mostly they were dispersed. But then when the Lord Selchester, who's the murder victim, after the war, he gets his castle back. And unlike many of the um, landowners and so on, he actually was successful financially. So um, he had plenty of money he could keep. He could, you know, didn't have to sell up like a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, the whole structure, you know, between the 30s, anybody who's seen Downton Abbey, the footman, the maids, the comfort, the style of life, that went with the war. It never came back. Um, it, it just wasn't a viable means of life afterwards. And then, of course, this castle has been, after the Earl vanished and he had been murdered, but they didn't find the body for seven years, the castle is like in limbo because it doesn't belong to anyone. Um, and that's how it is when the when the story starts. So it's almost like a kind of ghost castle at the beginning. It, it does kind of feel that way. Um, tell us a little bit about your protagonist, Hugo Hawksworth. Well, he's he's an ex-intelligence officer. Um, he's been working for British intelligence, actually out in the field, because, of course, one of the exciting things about this time, about the early 50s, is the intensity of the Cold War starting to build. Mm-hmm. And so he's actually been one of those people out in the field. He's been in Eastern Europe. He's been in Berlin. And he was shot in the leg. So he can't be on active service anymore. And in Selchester, there is a secret government establishment. And that's where he's been sent to work. He's been given a desk job. And he becomes involved because he's lodging in the castle. He becomes involved in the investigation into the murder of Lord Selchester. And I, one of the things that I found amusing about the book is is the way that everyone in the town knows about this secret organization, but it's a, it's a secret organization that no one's supposed to know anything about. Yeah, and they call it the hush-hush because they, <laughs> they know exactly. It's supposed to be government statistics, and they all know that it's no such thing. But Selchester itself, one of the things about the town is that it's it's a hotbed of, of, of gossip and intrigue. Um you know, as English towns can be. Yes, especially in the, uh, I think it was a hair salon. Um. <laughs> yeah, they're all gossiping. When <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the daffodil tea rooms. I went to your website, and I love the tagline for your work as an author. Uh, I've, I've never seen it put quite like this before, but you refer to your work as vintage mysteries. Why is that? Can you define in your mind what a vintage mystery is? Well, it's vintage in that they're set um, back in the, you know, in the 20th century and also vintage because it's kind of like they're classic stories, but they're told in a modern way. So it's like people, you know, vintage fashion, you can go and buy yourself a vintage frock, which actually dates from, you know, the 50s or the 70s. Or you can buy a frock that's called vintage because it's done in that style. So I just feel it's a word that brings to people's mind uh, an idea of the kind of atmosphere that I want to put across. It really does. And, and when I saw it, I just thought it was... It was such a great term. I'm surprised that other people aren't using it because it, it really captures the essence. So what's your fascination with this period of time and the, and the Cold War? Because you've written extensively about all this. 
Well, I have. I think the 50s, I think the period before the war, when, when we all know that war was coming, but your characters don't, that's very interesting from a writer's point of view. And the 1950s, it was such a period of transition, as we were saying earlier on, that life changed so much for people. It was a time when, you know, we're putting the past behind us and looking forward to a different future. And it was also a time still of great austerity. I mean, you see in the book, things like meat and bacon mm -hmm. and butter all still rationed. Um, but it was also a time when I think there was a much more stable society than we have, than we have now. Um, I mean, as to the Cold War, I, ju I just think it was a fascinating period. Um, and in fact, my father, who was um, at Cambridge University in the 30s and afterwards was a, was a diplomat um, and travelled a lot in the Soviet Union, it, and, and in fact behind the Iron Curtain generally, I, he just, what he had to say and the people he'd known and everything were absolutely fascinating to me when, you know, when I became interested in the period. Is it easier as an author to craft an elegant mystery that takes place back then because you don't have to worry about all the and all the electronic surveillance and everything that's going on today where people can pick up a cell phone and and get an answer in 15 seconds is it is it easier to to craft a, a compelling story in that era well i i i think it is yeah because you have um it's more restricted which is good you don't have the the kind of ones I write. You don't have a lot of forensic detail because I mean this is pre DNA and all mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So you rely much more on um, motivation, character, um, intuition, you know, cerebral work than on the mechanics of it. And yeah, as far as all the modern things are concerned and all the cyber stuff and so on, the trouble with that is that it dates. Right. Um, and, I mean, this happened to people who were writing Cold War thrillers at the time when the Berlin Wall came down. Suddenly nobody was interested in Cold War thrillers anymore. Now it's become history. And so it's interesting again. And if you're writing a contemporary mystery now, in, you know, five years, we'll all be, it'll all be something different and it'll seem, you know, not, not to be relevant yeah, I guess it's like a lot of TV shows that where there's a lot of technical information there, and then you watch it four or five years later, and you just kind of shrug, and, and you're, yeah. ex you're exactly right. It's completely irrelevant. Yes. All right, you write also under a different name, Elizabeth Ashton. What's the difference between Elizabeth Edmondson, Edmonton and Elizabeth Ashton in terms of your writing output? Yeah, Elizabeth Aston. It's it's well, that was a name I used at one time when I was writing um, kind of historical romantic comedies. Okay. And I'm not really doing very much under that name anymore now. Okay. Uh, because I'm focusing on the Edmondson titles. And what's the what are the plans for the series? I, I know you're. This is the first book was published by Thomas and Mercer. Is this a, a multi-book agreement that you have with Thomas and Mercer? Well, the second one's coming out in October. Oh wow! And the plan is my. It's a six-book series because mm -hmm. it has an overall story arc. So you don't. There's some things that you don't really find out about until the last book. Mm-hmm. So the second book is called A Question of Inheritance. Um, and as I say, that'll be out in October. 
And the third one is going to be called The Room That Has No Ears. Ears? E-A-R-S? Yes. There's a a castle near Oxford where they have a room like that where they actually plotted the downfall of King Charles I. And it was called The Room That Has No Ears because it was so constructed that nobody could eavesdrop. (laughs) And I thought that was just such a lovely, you know, name for a room that I wanted to use it. It is. It's a fabulous title. Um, what's what's the time frame for the six book arc? Well, I I, I hope it's going to be two books a year. Okay. Because I think with a series like this, you know, readers want to know what's coming next, and you leave things in the air at the end of the first book, and you want to discover what's happened. Now, as readers, I, I think we sometimes don't realize how far in advance authors write. So it, you've got a book coming out in October. I, I'm assuming you're actually on the third book now in, in terms of writing. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so that will most likely be out then early next year, probably. I should think spring. Yeah. It'll okay. Spring well, 16. This, is, this is a very exciting series. You've mentioned Downton Abbey. Is that something that you were particularly, are you, are you going particularly after a Downton Abbey type audience? Because this takes place a little bit later. Yes, it is later. But I think the kind of audience, um, I mean, you know, the whole Downton Abbey phenomenon took took the, you know, took Julian Fellows and, and the, you know, television companies completely by surprise because nobody expected something that was, you know, English and it was set in a period and it was, you know, an earl in his car, in his big house and so on, that it would be as successful as it, as it was. And I think it's shown that people are actually, they do find this, um, you know, interesting and entertaining. It's a it's a slightly exotic <laughs> and glamorous setting, um, and you know, I think the readership is is there. It certainly is, and and I I will admit to being completely flabbergasted by the the success the series has had in the United States. My mother and uh, I don't know almost everyone I know loved the series and uh, really looked forward to the next. Uh, what's the term for it? The next season of of the series coming out in America. That is amazing because it was just it is just so English. Yes, yeah, and that's that's what I why I didn't expect it to be that popular and why it was such a surprise. But you're right; there is a huge appetite for for that period of time and and that style of life. So, uh, what a what a great thing to attack with a mystery series. Well, I thought it would be fun. <laughs> Elizabeth, what's the best way for readers to keep up with you so that they can be notified when new books come out? Well, please sign up for my mailing list. Um, I hope there's a there's, there should be it should be possible on my website. Um, and you know, I put the news up on the website as well, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, and your website is elizabethedmondson.com, and I will link to that in the show notes. If you're driving around, you don't have to pull off the road and write it down. We'll link to it in the show notes. So you can go there, sign up for the email list. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to your Facebook page as well for people who are on Facebook. Uh, so thank you so much for being with us. I really enjoyed the book, and I wish you the best with this series. I, I can't wait to see where you take it from here. Thank you very much. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or a review. 
Those help other readers find great new books like A Man of Some Repute from Elizabeth Edmondson. Thanks for listening.